We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to Pod Maverick After Dark. I'm Kirk Henderson, and I'm joined by Josh Bow. We are both editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com. We come to you. It is Thursday night. It's a little before 10.30. We got started earlier than uh, we were broadcast for, and we did so because the Mavericks, um, I, I want to say they took care of business against the New York Knicks, but I had no idea how to feel about this game going in. I don't know how to feel about this game now. They won 128 to 124 in one of kind of the most back and forth rope a dope. Like there was so much going on with this game in a game where there was all sorts of blowouts across the NBA tonight. Like the Portland Trailblazers should probably be relegated, for example. They got beat by like 80 points. Uh, the, the Mavericks played a really entertaining game with the New York Knicks. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um yeah, it's a shame. I mean, it's kind of a shame that I, you know, I, I already see it in the chat. I'm, <laughs> I see it a little bit on Twitter, like just the way that the game ended. It's going to be a lot of, you know, Jason Kidd sucks and they almost blew another game and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like the, the fourth quarter collapse is going to take away from what was really like a really impressive and dominant first three quarters when you consider the Knicks have basically been like the best team in the NBA over the last week. Um, and the Mavericks, you know, are missing Luca and Lively and Exum. Um, so yeah, like you know, I mean, is it ideal that the Mavericks had to to pull this this win by the you know by the hair on their chin? Like, now nah, you'd rather them close out a you know a twenty point lead in the second half, but also they had a twenty point lead against the Knicks um when when they had no Luca so I mean this was a game everyone expected the Mavericks to be down by 20 so I I really hope that the way they close the game in the fourth doesn't overshadow uh the performance for the rest of the game because it really you know that was the that was the meat of the game 
So, so full disclosure, I missed the entire fourth quarter because I started dealing with a absolute emergency related to our podcast, which I will share with you guys a little bit later in the show, simply because I need to know if anybody in our audience uh, has experience with this sort of thing. But I, I think that by following it along on my computer, I actually had a little bit more of a less, I had a less emotional reaction to this game. And the Knicks, quite candidly, you know, with the with the one exception of Mitchell Robinson, who's like out for the year with an injury, the Knicks are like the funhouse mirror version of the Mavericks in terms of how their season is gone. You know, Chuck Cooperstein shared something today that the Mavericks don't have the Mavericks don't have a single worthwhile lineup, I think, that has over a hundred plus minutes together, five man lineup the entire season. So we're what four uh, nearly halfway through the season, and the Mavericks don't have a lot of data, which goes back to what we mentioned when we closed the podcast after the Grizzlies game, which is I think the Mavericks still have layers to get to because they just don't know enough about how these guys actually fit together. Um, and that that is just sort of got me thinking when you, know, you think about the fact that they came out tonight with kind of an unorthodox starting lineup, you know, Dwight Powell has no business uh, playing in a game like this and that they managed to get up and they managed to hold the lead for a while. They actually blew the lead twice, if we're being candid. It got down to yeah. six at one point before it got down to one uh, uh, in the fourth quarter. And I walk away from this game really delighted that they won, really delighted that they uh, you know, played how they did for huge sections of this game. And if you're upset with the coaching, I get it, but they're down three starters, so I don't. I want kid to take timeouts too. Let me just, I don't want to, to, to sit here and say that I think kid is like the answer or, but I also, I also just, I'm living in this world where they're not getting rid of him in my opinion ever. I just, I don't think they're ever going to, to say that. Um, and talking about it after a win is just like, it's just a non-starter. Like it's January, Mavericks are 23 and 16. They won. Like, I just don't know why fire kid has to be a, talking point after this specific game like it's just just not there for me and i understand i'm not trying to say i agreed with the way that the team played down the stretch or our kids decisions down the stretch or, or lack of decisions it's just like we gotta talk about some other stuff <laughs> like besides uh, besides that um you said you missed most of the fourth quarter so yeah it is funny i would have loved to see you react because you're you're probably died cool. you would have <laughs> Like, let's be clear. Like all these, all these, all you guys are so angry in the chat, like lighten up. Um, this, this again, account, an account I'm, I'm very close to banning just for, just for his consistent complaining. He's like, when I say Dwight Powell shouldn't be able to play in this game, I say Dwight Powell tends to get rocked by bigger guys. He did play a good basketball game, but that's what's made this season so interesting is that you go night in and night out. And some of these guys that I don't think should be able to play in certain matchups do a really good job. And other times it's like, what is going on here? I mean, by and large, the guys that we were so pissed at after last game played fantastic. Like it, the Josh green had for my money, his best game. Is that silly? I don't know what? if it was his best, probably his best game this season. I yeah, that's okay. Best game, best game this season. Yeah. Yeah. He he played really well. Um, obviously, um, the scoring is great. You know, 18 points. He was really aggressive on the fast break. He really thrived 
with the way they were pushing the tempo. The Mavericks scored 23 points off 16 Knicks turnovers, and two of those turnovers were team turnovers, which are you know the shot clock ones, right? Yeah, yeah, either shot clock ones or or something else. Yeah, they're usually shot clock ones. So only 14 turnovers that were like within play, at least. I'm not even sure how many of those were in play. Um, The Mavericks had six steals, so there's at least six of them. Uh, for the Mavericks to score 23 points off those turnovers, you know, 14 turnovers, that's a really, that's a, a, a crazy high conversion rate. They had 25 fast break points, and that was a lot of, you know, Green getting out and Kyrie finding him. Um, he ran the floor exceptionally hard. And I know Mavs fans are frustrated. Like, why can't he do this when the team is fully healthy? Like, it seems like he has these big pop off games without Luka. And yeah, that's probably a, a larger discussion for another day. Like, you know, right? Why? No, why it, can't it doesn't he, make sense why he can't play well with them? And he yeah, just, I mean, he clearly plays better when he's when he gets to run more and when he gets yeah. to touch the ball more. But my friend, you were the 18th pick, and you were on a team with Luka Doncic. You have to be able to adapt your game to contribute. You know, right. in the half court, like that's not like a Luka criticism. That like Luka does not need to adapt to Josh Green. Josh Green needs to adapt to Luka. That's correct. Right. Um, but but still, it was good to see he made the clutch three pointer after he missed. Um, so basically the way that a game ended, he missed a corner. They're up one with like 40 seconds left. He misses a corner three. There's like two offensive rebounds later. And then he makes the the game clinching three with like, you know, 30 or 40 seconds left. So that was really good to see. Um, defensively, I thought he was really good for about a half or so. Um, Brunson eventually kind of found his way in the second half, but I thought he's, he and Kyrie were the biggest reasons the, the game, the, the Mavericks got the lead that they got and they set the tone because one Kyrie came out with an aggressive mindset. Like I'm going to score. I'm going to dominate on the floor. Another just, yeah. just incredible game. Yeah. I cool. would. Yeah. Go ahead. There. So there's a play. I want to say his second quarter, maybe his first quarter, but he gets the ball. One of the things I've been really asking for is on like part of the way the Mavericks offense works. Kyrie gets the ball in reversal at one of the wings, and he almost always makes the right pass to the corner. And what I've sort of advocated for the last couple of days is I really want him to just rise and fire because he's a brilliant catch and shoot player. But he made a pass to Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy drives baseline and gets fouled. And one of the things that is so really just I mean, it's really obvious to some people, and it's probably obvious if you're like a, a hardcore basketball fan, but it's just, it's really pleasing to watch Kyrie make the right play so often, uh, particularly within this offense. And I don't ever really feel like he's forcing too much. There's just, a, he takes control of the game and has been hitting the kind of shots. I mean, he didn't, you know, you go look at his statistics. He didn't have a good opening to the year. He shot under 50% most games. And then there's games like tonight where he's just it, it, like the threes are falling. A Kyrie Irving transition three is my current favorite shot with this basketball team. It is different than a Jason Terry, you know, a uh, three, three in transition where you could see that shit from a mile away with Terry. But I love it when Kyrie does it. It's great to watch. Yeah, the way that he's able to like spring into it, like kind of out of nowhere, it feels mm-hmm. like is pretty is pretty remarkable. Like the way he's able to get balance no matter where he is in his dribble and no matter how fast his dribble is, you know, in the break, like that's really impressive. And then the other thing, um, you know, following up, like how it was Kyrie and green getting this team off to a great start. Um, they started, you know, green started the game and they started with green picking Brunson up full court for the most part or three fourths court. And 
I think that bothered the Knicks because I honestly feel like the Knicks walked into this game. They're playing well. Uh, they see there's no Luka, there's no Lively, no XM. I mean, they walked into this game kind of like how the Mavericks start, you know, played against Memphis the other night, where it was like, okay, this is a undermanned team. We're really good. Uh, we're just going to walk through this game and be able to get a win because they're so shorthanded. They don't have Luka. They can't do anything about it. And Green totally changed how they wanted to kind of sleepwalk. Like they wanted to sleepwalk through the game and Green wouldn't like let them because he picked up Brunson so early in possessions, almost full court. I mean, the Knicks didn't get a flow in their offense until the second half when they finally kind of adjusted and and, and kind of, you know, got a quick kick in the ass and kind of picked up their pace of play a little bit. But the Knicks just wanted to walk the ball up, play a nice, easy game because they thought they were going to win. And Green was like, no, like, and maybe kid, this was part of the coaching staff. Maybe this is kid. This is Sweeney. But it made a difference, him picking up Brunson. Like, the Knicks offense was totally discombobulated for the first half. And Brunson didn't have a good half either. He didn't really pick it up till till the end of the game. So the, the I thought that was really good by by kid or the coaching staff and then by Green executing. I mean, the funny little secret about Jalen Brunson, and I like Jalen Brunson and I miss Jalen Brunson, but him and Kyrie Irving are very different players. And the thing about Brunson is that he plays exactly like Luka. Like, I'm sorry, he just does. He yeah. controls the and that's that's a compliment in a lot of regards. He 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 controls the pace, he knows where he's going, he does things interesting. But like the kind of pass that Kyrie received, I want to say it was like an outlet pass. Kyrie's at the bottom of the screen, so going up the left side of the floor. He it was essentially like a it, it reminded me of like a hockey slap shot where it was like what do you call those one timers where it's like you yeah. just swing at it and he one hand rifles a pass to Josh Green up the other side of the floor that was so damn sexy I didn't know what to do with myself because it went you know you see Luca make these passes and I'm kind of become numb to them to a degree and I know Kyrie's an unbelievable passer too but he you know, Luke has a ball more than he does. So he doesn't get a chance to, uh, to, to really discuss these or uh, to, to do these sorts of things. So it was just, man, I, this, and, and the other point I wanted to make is I really think that this game was a back to basics reminder of the fact that earlier in the season, the Mavericks were running a lot. And as the season's worn on, and as these guys haven't been healthy, we had somebody in the chat point out that Luca and Kyrie have only been healthy together for 22 of the 37 games. That is huge. I wanted. I, I really hope that this is some visual and some provides the Mavericks with some film reminders that they do and should run more. They need to run a little bit more. They get the most out of certain players when they run more. Is is that crazy? No, no, not crazy at all. But they're also entering this game. They were eighth in pace. Um, so. They're, I would. They're top okay. ten in pace. So like, how much faster do you need him to well, get? I mean, but when Kyrie's been yeah. out, we've gotten back to yeah. a lot of Luka Ball, and that's yeah, not a criticism. Sure. That's a survival instinct. When Kyrie's out for twelve games, you have to do something different. Dante Axum certainly gives them something, but again, Dante didn't play tonight. So it's like when I'm looking at this team, and and earlier someone in the chat asked a good question. When it's like, why does it matter if they're off three starters, and and what does that have to do with kid calling a timeout? I should have explained myself further because it's a good question. When three of your starters are out, plus other guys are injured, there's an element of like, if you want kid to call a timeout, yes, I get it. But then he has to be able to do something within that timeout with the players that he has at hand. And I don't know what he would do with some of these guys because it's like, there's an element of this, which is just play better basketball, guys. 
running on, you know, get a better shot off. And and we live by the Hardaway three and die by the Hardaway three. The Mavericks win something like, I want to say, uh, uh, there's, they have a really astounding record that they've only, when Tim Hardaway hits three or more threes, the Mavericks win like 70% of their games. That's this season. So it's just, there's certain indicators that are really basic with these team and we want to blame it or get mad at it and toss it in other, other directions about what they could have done differently. But it's, it's, you know, the Mavericks are hitting their threes early tonight. And that was, that ended up being the difference in this game. They hit eight threes in the first quarter and some of that's pace. Some of that's quality of shot. Some of it's just a little bit of luck. And, you know, I, I, I would, you know, that last awful three that Tim Hardaway took, I went back and looked at before the show started. If that's a normal miss, you you said it in the chat. If that's a normal miss, the Knicks get the rebound and probably go win the game. <laughs> yeah. You missed it so bad that the Mavericks won. It was really funny. Um, this is a good point. T-Bone says, a timeout would give Kyrie rest and to stop the bleeding. The Kyrie tiredness element did come into play in the fourth quarter, don't you think? Yeah, yeah for sure. And by the way, I'm not disagreeing um, that, like, like when I say I don't want to talk about like firing kid or or what a bad job kid did, I'm not trying to say he did a good job in the fourth quarter managing the run and and trying to get the team in the right spot. I'm just saying they, no one thought that they would be in that position at all to even blow a game, considering the personnel they had on the floor without Luca. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't they didn't think they'd have a 20 point lead to blow in the first place. So I want to just say that first right. off, like it's right. not that it was good. It's just, I mean, they shouldn't have you know they played so well. Uh, over expectation it's just not something i'm thinking about first first thing after a game ends but yeah you're right yeah Kyrie was was a little was a little tired i think toward the end um you know they definitely could have managed that a little bit better uh it's funny because kid does like like make sure he doesn't lose any of his timeouts like he does the use it or lose it timeout like all the time so uh to not call timeouts in the fourth when he's gonna lose timeouts anyway uh and and your team is in a funk like yeah, I can see that's definitely frustrating to watch for sure. sure. And they could have done a better job with it. Yeah. Um, also, you know, like I think some, uh, Matt in our in our Slack, one of our mats, one of the eight mats we have on staff, was like, "Is Kyrie being too differential down the stretch?" And you know, part of it was him being tired, which which is what Matt was was wondering. And then I think I don't know, the other part of it was just the Knicks finally ran the Luca defense, where yes. they're like, "Okay, here we're done with this. We're not letting Kyrie make any more shots," and they. We don't see it too often. But there's particularly with these Mavericks. We don't see it too often, but there's occasions where you are reminded that Kyrie's like six one to six two. There was like an early turnover because Kyrie's playing a little bit with his back to the basket. There was like an early turnover in the second half where Randall came, where Julius big ass Randall came in from behind and took the ball from Kyrie. Um, that just you know he can obviously handle the double team, but if you don't see it all the time, it's probably a little bit like confusing every now and again. And that's the point. That's what it's supposed to do is mix it up. And the other Mavericks need to do a better job of executing. I mean, that's that's really kind of yeah. what it comes down to. There's a big difference in your six seven six eight point guard getting doubled and your six one six two point guard getting doubled. You could tell down the stretch that Kyrie could see. It wasn't that he didn't see the play or where the ball needed to go. Uh And credit to the Knicks, I think they did a really good job with their doubles and their rotations on the back line where they were kind of, you know, dipping in and out between who who they were letting be the release valve. So, like, they would double Kyrie and, you know, someone would be open in the middle of the floor. And you could see Kyrie with the ball, like, start to go that direction. And then the Knicks would rotate over. 
And then he's like, okay, I got to go to the corner because that's where the Knicks are helping off of. And then the Knicks covered that too. Like they did a really good job. Four guys, you know, basically what? Three guys covering four guys. They did a good job rotating through. So it wasn't always an easy pass for Kyrie to make. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, you know, maybe the counter to that is let someone else bring the ball up, maybe run them off some screens. But again, he was probably pretty tired at that point. So we'll see. I mean, they don't but, have many ball handlers left. Yeah, I mean, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Tim Hardaway had some had some Stanley from the office dribbling moments where I was just like, what is going on here, Timmy? Like, you're losing the ball with your right hand. You are right-handed. How is that a thing? And <laughs> it's just, we've been a little spoiled when you have Luca, who's so good at ball control. Same with Kyrie and, and um, you know, same with Dante Exum to where it hasn't been a concern. And the Knicks just made it, made you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, you know, the Knicks are the Knicks since they traded for OG and Anobi. Like they're, this they're is a really big, good, like they're really good. This is this is a this is a big fucking win. Yeah. Like, like is, I just it is a big win. This and might be it, their most impressive. I mean, I know Minnesota is the best team in the West right now, record wise, yeah. but like I don't know. This Knicks team has been really freaking good uh mm-hmm. since that trade. Like, I and fun fact somebody um pointed this out in a, in a chat that I'm in. Um Kyrie Irving has not lost to the Knicks since 2018. So he's pretty good. He plays them really well um, is, is where we're at. Um, all right. I need to shill for a second. Uh, if you could do me a favor, guys, if you could like the stream and really appreciate that while you're hanging out down there, go ahead and subscribe to the show. There's a way to get notified whenever we go live. I think it has to do with how you click the bell. I don't really understand YouTube. I'm too old. Um, but it was it's it's definitely something I would appreciate. One, this video is over. If you could leave a comment, I would like that as well. If you're listening on an audio stream, please leave me a review. Uh, shoot me an email with any questions, that sort of thing. Uh, we're making slow and steady progress. Nobody who's listening to this is going to hear this because it's an Apple feed problem. But if there's anybody out there that listens to this show that is in like audio or does podcasting themselves, I could really use some help. Uh, we have made like a step forward where we know what's going on, but the, the, the quick story is that because we transferred from one hosting platform to another, something got messed up and then switched over five or six months after we started with blue wire. It doesn't make any sense. (sighs) We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, thanks for letting me talk about that. Um, what else should we talk about in this game? Because it's again, like the I, I think it's sort of like the way the game ended leaves you it, it it the immediate reaction has to be oh shit. But realistically, you know, yeah. you're surviving. Uh, you know, Dante Dante Divincenzo, um, Bomani Jones refers to him as White Dante. Uh, was five of ten from three, just killing the Mavericks from those corners. Uh, but the uh, Isaiah Hartenstein was grabbing all the rebounds. I mean, the Knicks didn't out rebound the Mavericks too badly. I mean, this this really feels like a game that that the Mavericks. I don't want to say stole, but it was it was tough. Yeah, and it's, I mean, offensive rebounds. New York had thirteen, which is not great, but the Mavs had eleven. Like mm-hmm. they had the just as many their share of back breaking offensive rebounds. I mean, they won the game with two offensive rebounds at the end of the game. Like, and it's just kind of funny considering the the paint and rebounding advantage that the Knicks have. Obviously, the Knicks did score pretty much at will in the paint when they decided to get there, uh, when they kind of woke up in the second half. Uh, New York shot 19 of 21 at the rim. That is uh, that is 90, uh, 90.5%. Uh, they scored 56 points in the paint. Um, so again, you know, if the Mavericks didn't start the game as aggressively as they did with Kyrie, I mean, we're probably talking about the Knicks winning this game by by double digits considering how they played in the second half and yeah. for parts of the second quarter but really like the Mavericks scored 44 I mean the Mavericks scored 44 points in that first quarter and they kind of just rode that out in a way um with I'll their three-point shot making advantage yeah I mean they win a game by four and they made three more threes in the Knicks um, yep. you know three-point shot making is huge and the turnovers were huge uh so yeah like you know there were parts of the game that didn't look great. You know, Julius Randle did his thing where, like, he's in Dallas and he plays like a freaking MVP, even though he looked like crap in the first 24 minutes or so of the game. And he just looked amazing in the second half. Nothing really, you know, I mean, who on the Mavericks is, you know, Jones is too skinny. You know, Powell is Dwight Powell. Like, it was just just a tough matchup, especially. Like, he always matches up pretty poorly with the Mavericks because they're just – they haven't been a big team for a while and and this one hurt, but – yeah. You know, oh, go ahead. We got to give some love to a guy that we've been kicking the shit out of in Grant Williams. Oh, who, yeah. Welcome back, Grant Williams. You know, he, he 27 minutes, uh, 11 points, six boards, three assists, one block, one turnover. Um, three of his rebounds were of the offensive variety. Yep. Um, still a minus still, four. Still missed four three pointers. I want to know your opinion on this because I don't okay. like doing the Bill Simmons body doctor thing. Uh-oh. But I, I feel like he played. I feel like he played with like an apology on his face. Like he had a look on his face, like, fuck, I need to do better. Like the whole game. And he did do better. He He's not a dummy. He's online. Like he's, yeah. he's very online. He's doing pod. Like I, he, I think he's very much in tune with what the discourse is around him. And he definitely had an effort level of a guy that has been reading a lot of mean tweets and, and, and articles and bad stats and stuff like that. I, you know, I believe that for sure. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other guy um, is 
box score doesn't really reflect how well I felt he played, but I really liked Jaden Hardy's game tonight. I just, I did. Yeah, he was part of the the first half kind of barrage. Um, he kind of cooled off. I don't even know if he scored. He he finished with 8.6 rebounds, 4 assists. I feel like that's what he had in the first half. Yeah, like, yeah I think um, that's right. Because the lanes were kind of closing down. Like the, the Mavericks yeah. weren't running as much in the second. Yeah, because the Knicks finally decided to like play basketball in the second half. Um, and Hardy, you know, this is actually a pretty... Yeah, Hardy had... Yeah, no points, no assists. He had one rebound um, in the second half. But yeah, the, the Knicks are a tough matchup because of their size. And like even Brunson, who's not like an amazing defender, like he's still chunky and, and yep. it just makes it harder for, for a guy like Hardy. Um, but I thought Hardy was part of that like really aggressive, fast tempo pace, getting out on the break. He made some good passes in transition. Had a really nice kind of mid like secondary break, drive into the paint, drop off for Powell for a layup in the first half. That was really that was really pretty. Um so yeah, he made he made the plays they needed to get the lead up big in the first half. And yeah, you he didn't finish the game strong, but he gave him a good half at least, which was nice. Oh, no, and that and that's really what you need because you go through this box score tonight and and the Mavericks played a seven man rotation with a bite of Morris and Seth Curry, who just turned in a nothing burger in 10 minutes. So you're running, you're running essentially. Let's just go through it. They they have pallet center. And you got Hardaway, Jones, Kyrie Irving, Josh Green, Grant Williams, Jaden Hardy. And this is an element of where I have I, I have a hard time from the big picture. Like, I get, you want to criticize the runs. They were ready to play tonight. And they were, that was nice because they weren't ready to play against Memphis. I, I, Luca was either hurt before that game and needed to sit and wouldn't or... You know, some nights you just don't have it, but that was a really frustrating element um, of the Memphis game. And tonight, I don't really think we can look at anybody that played tonight and say they didn't play hard. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like everyone that played of the main seven had a moment or two of just like like a momentum turning play. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the big guys that that played the the major minutes and Hardaway and Green and Kyrie and you know even Powell had five offensive rebounds. Uh, made some nice plays. Um, Derek Jones Jr., who is slumping in a big way from three. He's hitting 30, 30% of his threes in January. He hit 32% of his threes in December, which I think we, you know, I mean, everyone called that. He was not going to be a 38%, 39 whatever he was at the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, but the thing that's nice about Jones is he's been slumping, but he still feels pretty, like, invaluable. Um yeah feels like a guy you can't take off the floor. OG Ananobi had a pretty invisible game and, you know, Jones was definitely on him for, for large stretches. Uh, you know, Jones guard, he guarded a little bit of everybody. He guarded Randall, he guarded Ananobi, he guarded a little bit of Brunson. Like he kind of feels like they're, I mean, he feels like they're kind of defensive guy, like in the way that like the Mavericks would use Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, obviously Jones is a little bit more athletic, makes a little bit more splash defensive plays, but he kind of feels like they're, you know, their defensive anchor in a way on the perimeter, you know, outside of lively at the rim. Um, he had another block. Uh, he is blocking so many shots. Uh, this is his third straight game with a block. Um, he's played one, two, three, four, five, six games in January. Uh, five of them he has a block. He actually has one, two, three, four, five, six. He has eight blocks 
in six January games. Like that's pretty, that's pretty good from your six, six, uh, Small forward slash small ball power forward. We, we like, thought he was going to be playing when he played for the Mavericks. We kind of figured that he would be a small ball five. I did not see him guarding the the positions he's guarded, and so pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think regard. he's been a great he's been a great wing guard defender for the most part. He's a, he, you know he has his moments for sure. He was one. Um, I don't know if you you caught watching this game because it kind of showed up more in the fourth quarter. He is another guy that looks really tired. Um, he has been, cause I mean, he has been giving, he has been balls to the wall, uh, since they've played him. Um, he is average, you know, we talked about, uh, Grant Williams and the, the weird story about him being out of shape because he was never asked to play this many minutes before in his career. Well, very quietly, Derek Jones Jr. is averaging a career high in minutes per game. He's averaging 25.7 per game career. He's 19.4 minutes per game. Um, last season he was at 14 the season before he was at 17. Um, he's started 36 games, which he's going to blow past his career high of game started, which is 43 mm-hmm. outside of that. You know, he started 43 games in 2021. He's never started more than 20. Yep. Um, so not only is his rolling, like this is what we talked about with Grant, where his role increased, his minutes increased, maybe the production drops because he's not playing against bench players. Well, Jones is doing that and he's averaging a career high in points by about two. Uh, you know, he's still blocking almost a shot per game. Uh, he's got about a, almost a steal per game, like playing really well. He's shooting, you know, 48% from the floor. He's making, a, a, you know, enough threes. He's technically, he's currently a career high still from three, even at 34%. But with the defense and the athleticism, you take it like he has taken that role and, and kind of run with it. And he's probably been, I mean, him and Exum, well, and Lively, but him and Exum have been kind of the difference maker. You know, I don't know. Lively is also like no one thought a 19-year-old rookie starting right. center would be as good as Lively. So I'll just those three have been when we talk about, oh, this team has a similar record to last year's Mavericks. Last year's Mavericks did not have three players like those three, like Lively, mm-hmm. like Jones, uh, like Exum. So that those three have been the difference, I think, for sure. Yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. Um, the tiredness element is interesting. You know, there was a certain point earlier this year where Josh and I, there was like what six games in sixteen days, yeah. and th- they had all their rest at a point where they really didn't need it. And they're not alone in this. Like teams are looking haggard. Um, the NBA has a, a blowouts lately. The NBA has a scheduling problem, and it's 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 blowouts. It's funny because like clearly the player participation policies are working. Um in that like guys are playing a lot more shout out to, uh, to, to Kawhi Leonard for playing so regularly that he got a massive contract extension, uh, which it would just kill me if all of a sudden he decides to start sitting more often now that he's playing. But it makes me wonder <laughs> where these guys are not really ready to play night in and night out. Like they used to be, or like that because they're, they're playing more. Um, I could be, com- I have no data on that. So I don't I probably don't know what I'm talking about, but they're just like the, the, the blowouts are real. And that's where, you know, the Mavericks coming out tonight was nice. Just, just, we, we don't see them involved in that many blowouts. They've had some bad losses this year. The Memphis one was a good example of that. But, you know, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see some in the second half of the season, we'll see a more consistent, slightly healthier Dallas Mavericks lineup. Uh, if you look at injury stuff, they're kind of in the middle of the pack. But I would argue that because they are constantly missing two to three rotation guys, we just don't know what this team can be. 
And there's a lot of folks out there that really want the Mavericks to go trade for people because they want more depth, which I get. I just can't help but think with what we're seeing or really what we're not seeing on the rumor market uh, that the Mavericks have any interest in doing that. I mean, they probably should. I just don't think they're going to. I think they're interested. I think they're just handicapped with their asset situation right now. You know, I don't think they anticipated green having such a, you know, obviously he's played well, you know, he had a good game uh, tonight uh, and then he had another good game, you know, a couple, you know, he's played, he's had a handful of good games since coming back, which is nice. But I feel like if you ask someone on the whole about green and Hardy, you would say on the whole, they've not been as good as you probably thought they would be this season. And those are the two young blue chip players on the roster that would entice a team in a trade. Like when you look at what Toronto got for OG and Anobi, it was Emmanuel Quigley and RJ Barrett and no first round picks. Like if a team is looking for players that can play right away, like good young players, like green and Hardy are theoretically those guys for the Mavericks to offer. And those guys taking a little bit of a step back um, makes it harder. Cause after that, it's like, it's basically like salary filler, which is like, all right, teams, We'll take it or leave it. And they can only trade one pick. So that also limits them. Like, you know, they only got Kyrie because he was a depreciated asset. So that's kind of where they're at. They need to find a guy that not a lot of people are bidding on, which is why as much as I want them to throw everything in the pot and get a Pascal Siakam, like he has a market, like people, he's a good player. He's not a depreciated asset. I I also don't think that from a, from a, like what he wants is getting respected enough in the Mavericks discussion. When fans are talking about him, the basketball fit is so obvious with what Mm -hmm. Dallas needs, but he doesn't want to stand in a corner and take threes and do dirty work. He doesn't want to do that. He's 30 years old. He wants his, he wants his, his final contract. So and he's probably going to get it from somebody. I just don't know if the Mavericks would be the team to do it. I, I really, you are never super enthused about specific free agents. So the fact that not free agents, just like players on the market, you're never like, I really want that guy. I love Pascal. And so that's <laughs> just like, he's in my heart. I don't know what it is. That's enough for me I, as a buy-in. Yeah, I told the story. It's because I want, you know, I watched him at New Mexico state in an arena of like 200 people. It's just, you know, you fall in love with guys that you watch early on. Like it's why, you know, all the draft people we know have their their favorite guys that they've been following for a while. Like yep. it's kind of like that for me. Uh, yep. So yeah. And so I don't. It's just you know you got it. What players want? That was one of the things Jonathan Sharks, our old friend, used to talk about, which is guys in their twenties often really want different things than by the time they're in their late twenties and early thirties. And what the Mavericks did with Dirk way back in the day is kind of lost, but they cycled in new guys every three years. Like they Dirk had a new cast every three years, almost the entire career. Um, They haven't done that with Luca. They started this year. So we'll see what they can do. You know, the, the market's always weird. I find I, I tend to like, you know, it's bad for our clicks, but I like when we don't hear anything about Dallas with trades, I'd rather that shit come out. You know, we were at, our colleague Doyle's uh, baby shower when the Kyrie Irving news broke. At least that was like whispered <laughs> about, but like, I just, I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Um, all right. We've been talking long enough and I'm tired. Uh, do we have any, any other stuff we should cover? No, I saw someone in the chat asking like, what's going on with Maxi? And I know he's doubtful today. he was doubtful. So he's trending in the right direction. I want to say um, just, you know, cause people keep asking about it. Like I did ask, 
the injury expert Jeff Stotts, uh, I guess friend of the site. Or, oh, yeah, or yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He's a Dallas guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he he is the injury expert. He has a database like that he can reference with injuries that he can look up and kind of compare injuries to what's happened in the past. And I asked him because we've all been wondering, like, this is weird. Why has he been out for two months? And he responded, he's like, this is a very unique injury. Like, I don't have, like, I don't have historical data for a dislocated toe. Um, so for Mavs fans that are like, why isn't Maxi back yet? It's a wor- you know, it's a worse injury than it seems. You see dislocated toe and you're just like, what the hell? It's just a toe. Like, what's going on? But apparently it seems like it's a more unique and, and complicated injury uh, than, it, than it seems on the surface. So I wouldn't say like he's <laughs> like his toe has not been amputated. Like, I don't know what's going on, but it, it seems like he didn't respond to make it seem like it was out of the ordinary that he's missed as much time. So, so we'll see what happens with that. I mean, the funny part is like, I, I, I think if anything, I only pine for Maxi to get pissed about something else. Like I think Maxi's cooked, but you never know. <laughs> we'll see. All right, so that's about all we got. Um, yeah, I'm going to go back to trying to deal with this podcast problem. It's going to consume me until I get an answer. Um, it's just a ridiculous, it's a truly ridiculous problem. Apple listeners make up like 65% yeah. of our podcast market because Apple like Apple had a uh, monopoly on the podcast market. They ba- well, basically everyone invented, owns a damn iPhone. <laughs> everyone owns an iPhone. They basically invented podcasts as a medium because it was just yeah. there on their app and most people subscribe to it. And like when you use the Apple app, you go to it. And for us, you, you, if you look up Pod Maverick, two feeds show up. I have no idea how long two feeds have been there. One feed gets updated regularly but has no subscribers. The other feed stopped getting updated regularly about a month and a week ago, and we have not been able to figure out why. I pinpointed why. Now I have to figure out how to get access to this particular RSS feed. It is ridiculous. And what's stupid is it would almost make sense if this was happening to every app, but like some apps are... Every single other one works. Like I found (laughs) us the other night on um, Amazon Music. Uh, or YouTube, we're on even the Google Sun setting. Yeah. Um, we are on uh, Pandora, Spotify, we're all across the thing. Yeah. Um, Wagner asks if I could do a fan show. Man, I woke up at 4 30 this morning with a baby, never went back to bed. So I think I'm gonna go yeah, to bed. You gotta go. <laughs> I really do want to, though. Uh, Saturday night, I might be on late. We'll see. Um, Josh is maybe gonna do the show either by himself or with somebody else um you're right i wagner i'm sorry we do deserve a party i'm just i'm I'm too too tired all right so thanks so much for hanging out uh we'll talk with everybody soon uh enjoy this win this is a nice one we'll be back everybody uh have a great rest of your week and go mavs everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.